My friend, this is Joe Bakmutsky. I want to welcome you to Power to be Happy, this conversation of healing from trauma. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Kali Foster, who helps people with trauma and chronic pain with acupuncture, with yoga, with movement. Um, she's a somatic experiencing practitioner. And today, we're going to talk about the impact of trauma, how it affects our body, our innermost self, and what might help us in healing from trauma. So, Kali, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Um, this is a, an exciting thing to come and be on a podcast. I think this is my first time. Yeah, Beautiful. This is the first time for everything, Kali. So, great <laughs> having you. So, listen, Kali, I know that you help people with trauma. So, how did, it, how did this whole trauma thing become a part of your life? Yeah, so... I was already a Chinese medicine practitioner and working on, I'm just jumping in the middle there, but working on lots of clients who presented with chronic muscle pain, pain and tension. And I was doing a lot of shiatsu and acupuncture, cupping, infrared heat lamp, moxibustion, all the things. And it was great. And people would come back every week saying that was excellent or every fortnight and just need it all again. And, um, Eventually, my thumbs started to give out, <laughs> and I thought, this is ridiculous. It's actually sort of Band-Aid work. Even though it was really effective, their core tension patterns would come back, and I'd see similar kind of muscle guarding um, on different people over and over, and I asked myself the question, how do we actually let go of this, this muscle guarding? And at the same time, I myself had sort of chronic hip, um, sort of shooting pain, sacroiliac tension, um, and I'd had that for a lot of my life. And I knew that I had muscle guarding um, for, probably from my childhood stuff. And, um, yeah, so I was desperate to find a way for us to let go. It seems so easy to hold on to tension, to hold, to go into guarding, to be triggered and activated, and really difficult to, to just let it go. Um, it was at that point I found TRE. Um, my father had um, been one of the first to discover it and was like burning DVDs and handing them out to his buddies and he handed one to me. And when I got a chance to have a go of it, um, I found that this involuntary tremor that was activated in the legs and moved up through the body, um, just like a breath of fresh air, like a wave of release. And um, that was my sort of introduction to to learning about trauma. Um, there was a lot of theory. I read books um, like The Body Keeps the Score, um, Peter Levine's Waking the Tiger. I got so excited about the potential for working with the body from the ground up, working somatically. Um, I'd already spent years doing belly dancing, yoga, qigong, and um, grounding myself. Um, I had had a spiritual awakening at the age of 20 in India um, and desperately needed grounding. So embodiment's always been, I guess, something I'm totally into. Hmm. Wow, that's that's a, uh, a huge journey, Kali. And you mentioned your childhood, you mentioned your own spiritual awakening. So is this something that's been a part of your life for, for a while? Yes, I think I've always been a bit sensitive and spiritual. Um, both my parents were hippies. Um, 
and professionals, actually. Dad was a chiropractor, naturopath, homeopath, and then my mother studied psychology back when I was a teenager. So she was sort of psychologist and psychotherapist. And I kind of consider myself the body-mind love child of the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) That's a beautiful way to put it. So uh and so how has this played uh, played out in your life in in because uh, i think sometimes it has it has an impact on us growing up and you know uh finding our own feet finding our own sense of self of who we are and where we're going right mm. um i think i'll just jump i'll jump back to the, the professional story and then we'll jump back to the childhood personal story just to give some continuation All right. So I trained in TRE and was teaching people um, individually and in groups and combining it with yoga, and and it was great. A lot of people loved it. Um, But for people who'd had really significant uh, childhood trauma where they never really felt safe, the TRE was like opening Pandora's box. It was too strong. It opened up too much, and they had no ability to actually find safety and regulate their nervous system. They couldn't self-regulate and often ended up with worse anxiety afterwards, after doing TRE than before. Um, So this was really concerning for me, but by then I was so sort of invested in helping people at a deeper level. So I went on to study somatic experiencing and um, working one-on-one and really understanding how to teach someone to find safety. And, um, yes, so that's also been important for me. So even though I had these wonderful parents, um, I kind of, I call it the brother from hell. Um, My younger brother was born when I was two, (laughs) started biting my fingernails straight away, and I had this sense that this is this arch nemesis and we'd knocked each other off in many lifetimes before (laughs) and he was born (laughs) in the family. Um, So there was a lot of physical violence uh, with my brother and I was highly sensitive you know, floating around, playing with the fairies, spraining my ankles, and um, he would just punch me, you know, or razz me, push me and push me until I'd explode. And I'd, I'd get these floods of rage where, like in the cartoons, um, the face goes red and the smoke comes out of the ears and you just try and kill them. <laughs> so that was that was me. I went from la, 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 la to like... <laughs> you know, and I wasn't very grounded and I was not able to self-regulate at all. Anyway, this went on for about 10 years. Um, I think that it had a huge impact on me um, and con- like contributed to my nervous system being wired to fight. So very quickly I'd, I'd go into fight response. It's funny, I ended up marrying somebody just like my brother. <laughs> like a European man that was full on because most men were scared of me um, in my 20s. And um, this guy, Eastern European, mountain man, you know, (laughs) bring it on. And I could pull a kitchen knife and he'd just find that sexy, you know. So it was was not that, like, really. It wasn't very, it wasn't violent or ever. It was just very traumatic. And um, I I liked that he could handle the, the warrior part of me. Yeah. Oh, it's been a journey. Yeah. But um, I guess softening the warrior, softening my defences and dropping into the feminine and allowing myself to feel the vulnerability that was underneath. And literally my body, when I really went into 
the fear, it was a fear of annihilation. There was this huge thing. And I, I understood that our system will do anything to stop us feeling profoundly scary emotions. We would rather be stuck in a loop. We'd rather be doing the same old thing than feel something that's super scary. And it's not even a conscious thing. It's an autonomic nervous system response. So quite often I'd be in freeze and then I'd be in fight and then I'd be in flight and then I'd go back to freeze (laughs) because to really feel this awful stuff can come up. But if you know, if you understand what you're doing and you've got the capacity to be with this very difficult, scary emotions and you can do it in little small bite-sized pieces and you're in a safe space, you can move through it. And then, yeah, then you come back into your body in the here and now and it's very, very healing. Wow. So that's uh, that sounds like uh, quite a journey to understanding yourself and different kind of sides of you. So um, I'm, I'm fascinated, Carly, but you mentioned that, you know, discovering that kind of more feminine part of self. Um, how did how did that come about? I think in my 20s, I had to make a decision between doing martial arts training I'd already done karate when I was 10. (laughs) Martial arts training or um, dance, belly dance, which I was drawn to. And I thought, you know what, I've got a lot of warrior energy in me. I think what I I really need is the softness. So I chose um, to do dance. And um, also when I'm dancing, I felt a liberation. I'm a very emotional person. I'm a heart-centered person. And um, when music's playing and you can flow, I could feel and let everything move through my body. And, yeah, it was often an amazing release. So dancing really, that's been a thing throughout my entire life that's kept me sane and helped me process and helped me um, really find me, come out of the brain. Mm. So the feminine stuff. I also trained in this beautiful feminine yoga practice and I taught that for three years. Um, and I've put together my own different versions of, of yoga and dance and movement practices. Um, so very much somatic work coming out of the head. Even my sexuality pathways were screwy Um because from the age of seven, I, I basically decided that the feminine was weak and vulnerable. I couldn't handle it. I didn't like it. And I, I believe a lot of women find this. Um, it's You don't want to be feminine and vulnerable in this world. So we crush that part of ourselves. Well, I crushed it pretty strongly with the strong right hand, <laughs> right down under the ground, and I got tough. I didn't cry anymore. Yeah, I learned to fight. So... I had to heal that part of me and it wasn't easy because it was really underground. Um, sometimes it really felt like an underground journey. Um, you know, I even explored BDSM and other things, seeing if that was the right thing. <laughs> fantasies, you know, maybe a bit of spanking will help. Oh, God. There was an adventure. My husband and I went to a, a, um, a bondage club and there was this guy there that, 
like said, oh, can I tie you up in handcuffs? And I'm like, oh, yeah, give it a go. <laughs> we really didn't know what we were doing. And he um, put these handcuffs on me. They weren't, I think they were just Velcro. They weren't very good. Tied, like tied my hands to a rope or something and um, did a few like spanks, but he didn't build up or anything. It was just whack. And my system registered pain and just somehow ripped myself out of the handcuffs turned around, grabbed the guy's throat and started crushing it <laughs> before I could stop myself. Oh, wow. I really had to, like, uncurl my fingers and just apologise. He was just freaking it, like he was shocked. Um, and I realised, okay, maybe this isn't the approach. <laughs> oh, wow. So really that was my, I've got such a strong fight response, such a strong warrior. Yeah. So I thought when I learned about trauma, and there's this bell curve. I should have brought it. But um, this beautiful bell curve that we go up through the sympathetic nervous system into through fight, flight, and then freeze. But as we're coming down the other side, out of freeze, fight response can be activated. But if we can be through that, we come back down into here and now, um, ventral vagal, social engagement. So I understood, okay, when I'm activated and triggered, I'm actually coming out of freeze and into that fight flight. And if I can just be with that and trust and feel safe enough, it'll come all the way through. So learning the theory of polyvagal theory of how the nervous system works meant I could understand and plot where I was on that bell curve and understand what I needed to do. So my brain was online with the journey. Um, Yes, and then I think I just did a heap of somatic work, like learning to feel pleasure in the body. What is that like? I never knew, really knew pleasure. Um, dancing, yes, but with a partner, I, I felt very guarded. So just super simple things um, and trusting that my body is an organism that knew what it was doing. Um, also gave birth to two kids. I had home births. So that was about like trusting my body. The first one was, you know, a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> but the second one was just beautiful. Like it was just I could have crawled under the house and had the baby. I was in such an animal state. Like I just, yeah, discovering the animal body, just getting on all fours and and just whoosh, she just flowed out with the water. That was my baby girl. <laughs> well, Kelly, I love your, it's kind of a really such a cool, crazy story of self-discovery, right? And you mentioned so many um, fascinating aspects of it, you know, and you mentioned discovering different sides of you, you know, it made me think about, I guess, my own uh, journey of going, you know, through traumatic uh, experience and how sometimes you don't even connect it to the way it impacts your life. Like for me, it was going through rape as a child. And I never fully realized for, for, for many years how, how much it impacted, for example, you know, you know, my identity and me expressing my sexuality. And I remember just falling in love but not being able to have sex because I just I, I couldn't bring myself to it it was just like part of me was I don't know frozen or 
it just felt so weird and it's kind of been something that I struggled with for quite some time and it was scary and it brought up, I mean, uh, all sorts of anxieties and uh, panic attacks and just in general feeling this, like I'm just not worthy of things. And so it's it's been quite a long journey in myself to try and figure this out. And because I, I guess I went, I went to the doctor Kali and in, in my twenties and I kind of told him a little bit of my story and he, you know, he prescribed me antidepressants and, um, and I kind of threw it away because I was like, I, I, I felt somehow that, you know, this wasn't what I was seeking. I was seeking some kind of an understanding. I was seeking some kind of, um, I was seeking some kind of healing maybe through therapy, but I didn't know anything about that world. And okay. so I kind of went into probably about three years of just, you know, um, uh, I, I was living with a friend, I moved out on my own, and I just went into kind of just this kind of self-help world and just trying to have good habits and focus on just me and trying to understand where I'm from. And that's really been a lot of the path, a pathway for me towards feeling good about myself, towards starting to get a sense of who I am, towards opening me up to my, you know, to intimacy, to having sex, to falling in love, all those things which were terrified me <laughs> for yeah. years. And yeah. so that's, and, and for many years, um, I guess, you know, sometimes you don't even understand the impact that it has on you. And every day, Carla, like what I would do is I learned to like love my body through, I had to like just do it in this bizarre ways. I had this massive mirror, like a kind of full-size mirror, and I would stand in front of this mirror like naked, you know? Yeah. And I would just make eye, you know, eye contact with myself and I would just say, Things like, you're beautiful, you're sexy, <laughs> you deserve to be loved. I would say this every day. Yeah. And it felt super weird a lot of the time because I, I didn't believe that to be true. But I guess over time, <laughs> I kind of you know, forced myself to go, yeah, you know what? This is true. This is right. So... Sometimes we go. We have to go through our own things. I wish. I wish there was other ways for me personally at the time. But this is what I had to go through to get to a stage where I started, you know, to feel good about myself. You know. Yeah, and look, often we don't understand what the trauma is, and we don't understand what it's yeah the impact of it, and we don't have any idea how to come out the other side. I didn't either. Like. Yeah, all this sort of trying things that didn't work. And for eight years in my marriage, I was basically going from freeze to fight to freeze to fight, which is what PTSD looks like. Um, I was so frozen and it was horrible and I felt unsafe and I didn't know why. And I knew that I was loved. My husband loved me and all he wanted was intimacy and that was fine until he kissed me and then boom, I'd be so tired instantly. I'd just say, oh, no, I can't. I'd roll over and I'd fall asleep in 10 seconds. 
it's a nervous system response. It's a shutdown. Um, and yeah, it took, it was like eight years of that, um, trying to figure myself out and not knowing there was something wrong with me and not trusting the whole thing. Um, and that's, um, yeah, I don't know if you believe in past lives and things like that, but I I have a strong sense that there's been a past life sexual abuse that's pretty extreme that I've come in with and just been activated by the physical violence with my brother because um, things got quite distorted in my own head, um, I guess, growing up as a teenager and things. So that did its own damage. But our whole society is is distorted in the sexuality. You know, all the porn and all these things that people are into, they're not honouring their body, they're not listening. Um, it's huge and sexuality is really the core of us. It's our beautiful, creative essence. It's actually a pure, um, powerful, yeah, creative flame that needs nurturing. Mm. Exactly, Carla. And I guess it's the sexuality. I think I believe we don't talk enough about it, especially in the context of traumatic experiences, because the reason why it affects us so much is because you are at an incredibly vulnerable state. Yeah. When, when you are being intimate, whether that's um, having sex, whether that's sharing your feelings, whether that's opening yourself up in some way, physically or emotionally, it yeah. is incredibly vulnerable. And it's a place where we can, we are afraid of getting hurt and some hurt. I mean, and sometimes that's, we, it's something that we do consciously or sometimes that it happens unconsciously. And you mentioned the word safe a few times. So that's clearly a part of, uh, you know, of how I guess you think about the world and, and what you do, you you mentioned also kind of working with women and, and yoga. Uh, so how does that whole uh, aspect of safety play into what you do? So it's extremely important. Um, it's really a felt sense of safety and ability to feel safe with another person, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend who can hold space for you. You can drop into the layers of your body um, where there's stuff that's still held, whether there's activation, um, defensive parts or uh, vulnerable sort of wounded parts. Um, we need safety to even be able to go there in the first place. We need the capacity in our lives. Like If we are running around like a headless chicken and there's got too much going on, it's not a time to work on your trauma. Um, you need to create the space for it so that, yeah, space and safety so that these parts of you can come up and you can be present for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the safety working through right at the pointy end for me um, was, <laughs> I'm sure my ex-husband now won't mind me sharing this. <laughs> He's pretty open. Um, I used to have these flashes of, like, red-hot rage and I'd imagine slicing him to pieces with a knife 
just it's just because he wanted to kiss me, right? <laughs> and I was like blood and knives and I don't know. Um, that's probably why. Because that's what you do. I ended up with this name, Carly, you know, goddess of death and rebirth and drinking blood and killing demons and stuff. I always resonated with that. Anyway, another story. But I was, um, I'd get these flashes and I'd think, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? I'd say, I'd say to myself, I'm fucked up. There's something wrong with me. And I'd just suppress it. And it just it was awful. But when I had talked with with him about what was going on, he was quite cool. I said, I want to kill you right now. And he'd go, great, let's sit with that, shall we, and breathe, you know. He learned to kind of go along with it. And he brought in some humour and it was great because I was like, oh, cool, you know. It was acceptable. The part of me that wanted to kill him was actually welcome. He's like, welcome to this part and we can hang out here and let's, let's you know. And immediately there was safety. Immediately it shifted. But that's when this panic came up underneath. And by then I'd learnt enough to go, okay, how long can I be with this panic feeling? And let myself feel it in little bits. And I realised there was a fear of literally being annihilated and this felt very like it had come from a past life, Um, really full on. So I'd just feel that for 10 seconds and then have a break and maybe even just get up and go and do something else. (laughs) Just, you know, and this over time helped me to be with it. And soon it didn't really take long when I could move through through that, the fear, panic, vulnerability, I started to feel pleasure and connection and it was wonderful. Like all the rewards were just there on the other side. It, um, it's like my system had just been guarding me from this acute panic fear. And once I could move through that, yeah, my body could relax and um, all these, yeah, pleasure pathways opened up. I was also working on those with the with the yoga and the dance. And so it's like I this, this top down getting through the pointy part and the bottom up work I'd been doing already through all the, yeah, all the dance and movement. So, yeah. Um, came together and the next thing I found myself multi-orgasmic and much more liberated and happy. Mm. Then I got a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, cool. Because I was I was starting, I was I was kinda of thinking, you know, what do you say when you mean uh pleasure pathways? Okay, now I, I, I think I start to get a sense of where you're going with this. <sighs> yeah, so I I couldn't orgasm with a partner for most of my life and then um, I found once I'd healed myself that I could Um, but yeah I needed to part ways with my husband at that point because I realized I still love him very much he's the father of my kids Um, but his personality which is really oppositional defiant it's (laughs) full-on Um, was just triggering my old patterns of being in defence every single day. He just, he's hes one of these persons that loves razzing everybody up. And I just couldn't stay in that state because I was so easily triggered into that state. And in the end, I just said, I can't do this anymore. And so we've gone our separate ways. 
And um, it's wonderful. We've both actually had incredibly liberating experiences since then. And um, I've been with my current partner now for nearly three years and he's very soothing for my nervous system. He's very, very chill. But at the same time, he can handle my warrior. It was funny, um, early on in our relationship, I'd sometimes say, I need to wrestle. And he'd go, what? <laughs> You've never been the woman that suddenly wants to wrestle. And um, we'd go into the backyard on the grass and I'd just full on take him on. <laughs> and, um, at first he was a bit shocked and he wasn't sure what to do. He didn't want to hurt me, um, but he found a way to just kind of disarm me, grab me, hold my arms down and just pin me so I couldn't move. And I'd sort of take a big breath and go, ah. And later he was confused, but I explained to him what had just happened for me. I said, look, we'd been, we'd been intimate. I was feeling really vulnerable. My protector part kicked in and needed to wrestle. It wanted to test you. It wanted to know, A, can you handle my warrior? And B, can you keep me safe? And are you really there for me? So that in, in you know, agreeing to wrestle, in taking on my warrior but not hurting me, he showed he could handle my warrior and keep me safe. And then by just holding me and staying present, he just really showed up and I could soften again back into the feminine. And that's just so magical. That's the absolute mixture of <laughs> things I needed and um yeah I've never felt more in my feminine energy um in my life than I've been able to in this relationship it's just beautiful and it's beautiful Kali that you you know you used your own experience uh your own traumatic and, and difficult experiences in life to find your own pathway towards healing and I, I want to uh, also, take a moment to, to thank you for sharing some of these really intimate um, and vulnerable stories from your life where, you know, you've had to, you know, confront sometimes these crazy situations or things about yourself or things about you know, the people around you and find your own pathway towards uh, healing and towards understanding what's right for you. And I think that's what we're all about, isn't it? Like, we, it's about finding what's right for you, finding a way to feel safe, finding a way to feel safe in your body, and then, you know, using that as a pathway to find more love, more connection, um, reconnecting with, you know, what you do, your sense of purpose, what you do in life. I wonder how that whole process of you know healing and you know especially in the area of kind of intimacy and sexuality how that affected kind of other parts of your life well my work has always been parallel with my personal development like personal and professional development I've done massive amounts of both like my whole life um I'm really passionate about working with women in particular um to help them embody the feminine, but also embody their warrior. A lot of my clients are um, people pleasers and it's not their people pleasers. They were learnt, they learnt the, to be a good girl, 
to mm. be under the radar, that you'll be safe if you meet everyone else's needs and, you know, they've been trained like that from the society or their family and they, they, they've got this stuff underneath but they can't even access their pleasure and their happiness until they can meet, like learn to hold their boundaries and experience healthy anger. And I'm really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> ah, and the, the the primal animal parts of us, like I love that. And so I do a lot of work um, coaching women to find their primal parts. And I've had clients even just roar and scream and just, roar, you know, in the clinic. <laughs> um, it's wonderful. Yeah, so... I, I, and by the way, I love your stories. I think these stories will forever stay with me. Like the the story about uh, you going to the BDSM club and also <laughs> wrestling your new partner in the backyard. And you say, "Well, he was he was a little bit surprised." <laughs> yeah, I love it because that's 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 like that's you. You're right. I mean, kind of getting that those parts of um, yourself and getting familiar with them. Uh, and also uh, accessing even those parts sometimes can be really difficult because they get they get so blocked either by you know uh, expectations or just uh, you know not being able to properly feel things or figure out what's again what's right for you. Yeah, you've got to I guess do things that can help you experience all your parts. Um, and definitely get in your body. You've got to get in your body. Whatever it is you need. Some people, they feel they want to do martial arts training and it's the best thing they ever did to develop that strong warrior. Um, I had the warrior in abundance. I needed to soften and um, really find my flow and and the sweet feminine again. Um, A lot of men, especially with computer jobs and stuff, they've got to get out there and just be physical. You know, I just went to Mitre 10 to get chicken pellets yesterday and ran into someone I've known, you know, just in the community, and he said he's gotten off his screen job, you know, 30 years, um, some kind of business thing, and he's um, he's in the produce department hauling sacks of stuff and it smells like a farm, and he said he grew up on a farm and he just needed to get back into the physical. Um, we need to have balance in our lives. You can't just be always doing the same thing. Um, we find happiness, I think, the most when all our parts are able to live in our life. They all get a bit of air time, you know? 100% color. And listen, let's let's come back to you started, uh, you started mentioning about how you work with women, right? And helping them reconnect with their, you know, their sense of, womanhood and different sides of that. So can you talk more to that, please? How does the whole process work? Yeah, okay. So we do a bit of a, like a somatic check-in. We body scanning, landing in the body. We do heart breathing and sounding. We do belly and womb connecting and um, see what emerges. Often we do also map out the parts. I've done some training in internal family systems parts work um, from a somatic perspective, so working through the body. And we look at parts that might be coming up and blocking their 
their experience in their body from just being okay. Often an inner critic arises and manager parts that tell them, oh, no, we need to be focusing on this or we can't go there or that part's that's too scary. So, And it just gets them into their brain. So it's like, okay, hello to that part. It's welcome. Can we talk to that part and ask what it's afraid of might happen if this client were to feel some of the stuff in their body? And we actually get permission from the protector part first because otherwise it might just come in and even if we if we go a bit deeper and then it'll it'll come back and there'll be a bit of a backlash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so working with the parts like that, often it, it talks like the fears will come up and go, well, that's really fair enough. But often that fear is it's like a belief from when this person was eight years old or 12 years old or something. And it's actually no longer relevant or the part doesn't realize we have an, yeah, an adult self now, you know, maybe this woman's now 40 and she's actually got a lot more capacity than she had when she was 12. (laughs) Can you feel, can you get a sense of her now? So we find that the part that's, or the self that's here now. And when this sort of manager part feels the self, it often goes, Oh, oh, you've got this. Okay, I can back off a little bit. And then the next layer can emerge. (laughs) We've got reactive parts and these manager parts. So, and then finally we can get to the, um, you know, wounded child aspects or any other parts that have been dormant. So we do that through the body, but I I do use that um, internal family systems model um, because I find it so beautiful. It's a relational model. So instead of thinking, oh, there's that fucked up inner critic or I hate this part of me or da-da-da-da-da, we're really opening the heart. I also use heart math um, practices of heart-focused breathing and coming into coherence to help access self-energy. And from the self, we lovingly accept all of our parts and we work with them and they get happy. And instead of becoming, like, instead of being dysfunctional, they start to become an ally and they work with us. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, that's fascinating. Tell me about the, the yoga, uh, like how, how uh, with women, how does, how does that whole thing work? All right, well, I taught a class, the first class of the term last night. Um, so it's just for women. It's held in a circle. I don't like it all in lines. And it's very... I guess it's casual. Everyone's welcome. Everyone has shares a little bit about themselves. Um, it differs from normal yoga because there's more focus on sensual energy. There's more feminine flowing movement. It's often more cathartic because we we can access um, anger. We can growl or roar or release. There's a lot more sound. Um, encouraged through the class, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Um, I like to bring in belly dance movement to help women access some flow and feel energy move from down in their hips to up in their chest, again, connecting the heart and the womb. But it's not about getting the movements right. It's about their internal experience. 
and I make sure I try to make sure everybody feels safe and has permission to join in, make sound, or you know, do something else that feels right for them. Yeah. Well, we also bring in qigong to cultivate more energy, to cultivate qi in the belly, and so that's the only safe place to store qi. Really, is down in our belly. So really coming out of the head and down and very, very calming for the nervous system. Mm. Yeah, sounds kind of like uh, you're bringing all of these different, uh, ex- you know, um, approaches, uh, you know, to, that are aimed towards helping people um, to heal them from trauma, to feel safe in their bodies. You're kind of bringing it uh, in together in your own way. Um, tell me, Carl, if someone wanted to to work with you or maybe find out more about you, um, uh, what would they do? Yeah, so mostly I work locally in the Dandenong Ranges. Um, my clinic's in Callista, where I work one-on-one with, with clients. And my classes are sort of small groups held either in Belgrave or Upper Fentry Gully. Um, I'm a bit too busy to have a whole lot of online stuff at the moment, but I can also work via Zoom one-on-one. And I plan to be running some workshops soon with my partner for couples. Um, But there is a product I created called the Art of Touch Cards, where basically I've put all this stuff from really entry-level getting in touch with sensations in the body to feminine embodiment, there's masculine embodiment, there's easy tantra for couples, and a beautiful healing touch practice where you're developing presence and safety. So I've put all that in a deck of cards called the Art of Touch Cards. It's basically somatic therapy in a box. Um, And that's available for sale like all over the world. I just post it out. Yeah, so the website um, is www.artoftouchcards.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Carly. And thank thank you for sharing your truth. And and thank you for helping people and and what you do. Thank you for being here, Carla. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I find, you know, your journey is really inspiring too. And I love it that you're putting yourself out there, you're learning, you're opening up these conversations. It's um yeah, it's wonderful. Um I don't even know that your whole story, but um obviously coming from Ukraine. That must be pretty full on too. Um, yeah, exactly, and that's that's part of I think part yeah. has been of part of my personal uh, I guess reawakening to my own trauma and needs to heal, um, and I think that's you know that's that's something that you know cultural sensitivity, even to our own experience, is so vital and understanding ourselves, what drives you what is important for you understanding your past and essentially trying to untangle this whole past, present and future to figure out what's right for you. Um, I think that's the... Do you have community around you? Yes, yeah, exactly. Have community and that's that's why I strongly believe in and, and, you know, that's my, my, my passion in life is to, yeah, bring that community of trauma survivors so that we can be there for each other and support each other in kind of giving 
what we have because we've got so much to give, you know, in, in growing into life that we want, but also healing, healing from uh, difficult experiences in life to ultimately live a happier, more fulfilled, more, more um, purposeful life that makes us feel more alive, more present, more connected with who we really are. I think that's what life is about, isn't it, Khaled? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's purpose more than happiness that really keeps us going. We're all looking for happiness. Ah. But apparently purpose is actually even more important. And I know, yeah. I thought that was like, wow, okay. I think that's actually true. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you, Colin. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show, it it serves you in some way. Because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And, and, and this incredible potential of what we are capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by. What I tell myself, so they're my loved ones. That's what I'm here, just sharing this, this with you, right? And I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance. Whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war. Bring together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in the challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com. That's J-O-E at powertobehappy.com. Whatever you want to say, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. And thank you again so much for being here today. I'll speak to you next time.